0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello everybody, this is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, but it is December 31st. 2020 is almost in the rearview mirror for us here in the U.S. and um, across the world, and I'm sure that many of us are very glad to uh, switch over to a new year and maybe start fresh a bit. And one of the most fun things I get to do with my show is to get to talk to all sorts of new people, and um, one of my very new writer friends now is named Denise Wheatley, and you will love, love, love um, our talk today and her newest book, *The uh, Love at the Icicle Cafe, which is out right now, but let me tell you a little bit about Denise. She is a lover of happily ever after and the art of storytelling. She has written and ghostwritten numerous novels and novellas that run the romance gamut. From contemporary to paranormal, sweet to steamy, Denise strives to pen entertaining stories that embody the matters of the heart while creating characters who are strong, colorful, and relatable. She is an RWA member and received a B.A. in English from the University of Illinois at Chicago, the city where she was born and raised. And when Denise is not sitting behind a computer, you can find her in a movie theater, on a tennis court, watching true crime television, and chatting on social media. Like I said, Love at the Icicle Cafe is her book with Too Late. It is out now. And you can find Denise at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Book love, Goodreads, and her blog. And I have all those links in the right side of the show, as well as links to her book. Welcome to the show, Ms. Denise. How are you today? Thank you, Patricia. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? Well, it is a crazy cold, uh, rainy morning here in San Antonio. Um, It is near freezing and it is raining. So a very different, (laughs) different day than we're used to here. Um, And I was thinking about that. It is a weird year. And I was thinking about that years ago, we visited Chicago and I thought that Texas weather was crazy. You guys have some intense weather up there it's it is insane we've had our first snowfall of the year and it is just it's cold if it's not rainy it's snowy it's been weird global warming has definitely hit so it's not as bad as it used to be but it is still crazy it is yeah and you guys get those intense thunderstorms too like we do here because i mean a a friend of mine actually was a nurse there for a while and he was talking about how people in chicago dress in layers because you don't know sometimes. Um, You know, it could be 60 and nice, and you walk out, and it's you know, 28 and snowing. I mean, you have to be ready for every kind of weather. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. We had a crazy storm this year. I had a window that got struck by lightning this year. And it, oh it, it was like a bomb had been thrown. In. Yeah, it was just, it was insane. It fits, again, it fits 2020, all the craziness. <laughs> So <laughs> um, you need to keep that in a book because then you can have somebody come fix the window. That's true. See? A very handsome man. I like that. <laughs> or, or you could have a really cool woman come fix the window and it's like his window and he doesn't know how to fix it. I like that. even though. I do. Yeah. I like that. Even <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I we are capable as kid. well, right? That's, yes, ma'am, and you know i was I was telling my kids, um we used to watch the Disney Channel show handy Manny, which was like you know, check all the boxes of whats assumed about you know <laughs> certain people, but the the thing is that um they love the tools, so when they could, they can could figure out what tools were what, and so it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll take that part that's fun um but yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a good thing to uh make sure that you know, you're, no matter what gender you have for your child, your child's gender is, that's definitely something you need to know. Is way around the toolbox. Um, I agree. With your, we- with your weather up there, it's kind of beautiful segue for talking about your newest book, Love at the Icicle Cafe, because it is quite chilly in that book as well. It is, yeah. Nice, snowy little small town in Germany, yes. I love it. So, have you traveled a lot? You, I mean, have you been to this place in Germany that you're having your book? Well, Gothburg is actually a fictitious town, but it's based on stories my father told me because he was based in Germany when he served in the U.S. military. He was in the Army. Okay. So, he okay. always told these fantastic stories about the communities there that he'd visit, the people he'd meet, and that was really my inspiration for creating this little town, a, a community of great people who are very friendly and loving. And very tight-knit. So, yeah, the insight to yeah. give that up to my father, he was the one who inspired that, definitely. Oh, I love it. I, I have friends who live over there, and they they post these pictures of, all, like, the Christmas markets and um, the lights and everything. And it's, it's just, um, it looks just amazing. It's stunning. I think no one does it better. Germany does it the best. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So do you have plans to go over there and, and see it for yourself at some point? I would love to when we can travel again when it's safe. I would uh-huh. absolutely love to do that. I markets again. I, I would probably spend all of my money at the markets, but that's okay. Right. Uh, yeah. I would love yeah. to be in that. Yeah, that little environment. I mean, it is. It just looks so pretty and festive. So I definitely have plans to visit whenever I get a chance. There's um. There's this guy on uh, I've watched for years, Rick Steves, and he's always like this really laid back dude and he's traveling. And he did one for Christmas one year in Europe. And so it had Germany and Switzerland and France and Spain and Italy, you know, all the, all these areas and the UK, all these beautiful festivals and everything. And I just, it just looked just like something straight out of a book, you know? Um, yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me, you know, what's going on at the, uh, Icicle Cafe here? What, what, what's going down? Well, my two main characters, Mina and Scott, their parents owned the cafe, and so my okay. characters grew up there, basically. They were army brats, and uh, so they spent a lot of time there. Mina would bake with her mom, and Scott would always experiment with different dishes. He's always loved to cook. And then in their adult years, Mina moved on, and she moved to California. She's working as a patent attorney now, but Scott stayed behind. He wanted to uh, maintain the cafe as his parents got older. He's uh, signed on as the executive chef and he's running the show and has turned it into a really beautiful destination restaurant. But uh-huh. eventually the parents decide to sell. So Scott's devastated. And, you know, Mina's happy for the parents. She's thinking, hey, retire, go enjoy your life. But Scott wants to hold on to it. So yeah. uh, when Mina goes to Gosburg to help facilitate the sale, she kind of falls under Scott's spell. He's very convincing, and he's trying to figure out a way to hold on to the cafe and keep it in the family, and then that becomes Nina's struggle. How does that fit into her life? You know, she still wants her parents to retire. So, But in the midst of that, she falls in love with the town again. She had not been there in years, and just reconnects in a way that she didn't expect. So that's kind of where we just get to see how things unfold. And looking at their journey, they kind of make different decisions on what they might want out of life. Right. So when you wanted to write this book, I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, you've written other books, you've ghostwritten, you've done a lot of this gamut. What was it about this story that you said, I have to write it? What was that catalyst? Okay, so I have to admit that I am obsessed with Hallmark. I love the <laughs> Hallmark movies. Countdown to Christmas, you know, the Winter Fest, I love all of the Christmas movies. So that's, I love the holiday. So that was definitely an inspiration for me. And, of course, you have to have snow. You have to have a snowy town. Small town writing is so cozy. And we love a cafe. We love cupcakes and, you know, great dishes. So all, all of those things came together and just really inspired me to start putting the story together. And then I just wanted a more unique setting, something a little bit different to take us out of the state. So, and again, my father's words kind of came into play with what he'd speak about Germany, so I think all those things came together and helped me build the story, yeah, you're right. I mean they that that sounds like an absolutely perfect hallmark situation, so um but yeah, we do. We all need the snow and everything else. and I think there's something um really beautiful about that it's almost like it's um like starting over hope I don't even know what the word is half the time, but I don't know what it is about snow um for me, but it and maybe it's because I grew up in Texas most of the time and pretty much. Um but it is it is uh just I don't know, starting fresh maybe? I I don't I don't know what yeah. it is. It, yeah. And I mean, it's bright, it's pretty, it can brighten up a, a night sky. I don't know what it is either, but it it's something about snow that is just it's just gorgeous and it's I don't know, I I just look at it it's like a big street light to me. It just lights yeah. up everything. Well, we lived in Missouri for about four years, and the first time it snowed there, um, it looked like, literally like God was sprinkling powdered sugar on the world. I mean, it just looked oh, like that. Was it so was really, sweet. I love that. It was just like that really light, lovely, you know, snow. And I was at work, and um uh, I was a nurse, and I was looking out the window. And I was like, guys, it's snowing. And everybody I worked with probably never left St. Louis. And so okay. um they're like, yeah, and I'm like, no, really, it's snowing, and it was just, giddy. I was giddy, you know, with it, and they, and it took them a minute to realize that, you know, I didn't grow up with it. so they were, yeah, um, and that's like, oh, that's right. <laughs> right, you know, but that's what people say, that first snowfall, yeah, they love the first snowfall, it's magical, it really is, because it just, it doesn't even seem real, it seems like you're a set of a movie, you mm-hmm. know, hmm so are you going to bring us back to the Icicle Cafe? Are you going to take us to other friends that are and other characters that are in the book? I mean, what's your what where are we going with this one? You mean for a sequel? Yeah. Ooh, you know, I would love to do that. I I guess I would have to talk to Tuli about it and see if they'd be interested in a sequel. Because it would be I can't give away what happens in this one, but there's certainly room for another story, I think, so yeah, we'll see what they and we'll yeah. see what readers think if readers take to the story with the early readers, they seem to really enjoy it, so to write a sequel to it if if you know if there's a demand for it, I would definitely be here for another story. It's in me well, I will put my I will put my two cents in and say, absolutely it should happen, <laughs> okay. Okay, I will. I will take note of that. <laughs> and so you, you know, we were talking about books and and you know snow and finding that escape a little bit. I know 2020 has been crazy. What has been your way of kind of keeping your center? You know, what has helped you? Um, what kind of books or what things have you watched or or friends or family or faith or what are those things that have helped you get through this year? You know it's been a combination of all of those things definitely family definitely faith and books right i've been doing more writing than reading but being able to tell stories has been very therapeutic through all of this so the writing has been extremely helpful and then you know escaping you know with netflix or different movies i love romantic comedies and um so watching those, again, the Christmas movies, that's definitely been helpful. But my little bit mm-hmm. pleasure is true crime television. I love the Investigation Discovery Channel. All of the uh, bloggers or bloggers on YouTube, they tell stories of mysteries. And so I really get deep into that, too. And that's, that's a really great escape for me as well. What has been, and, you know, I hate to say your favorite true crime because obviously something awful has happened, but what has really kind of held, held your um, interest? the most i mean is there a certain person or series of events or, or anything like that that is that you find the most fascinating you know there are cases that just grab me and i cannot let them go and it's really the unsolved mysteries and i think when women go missing, right. and you try and figure out what happens to them or women who are murdered and they and you just can't figure out who did it or you know who did it but the person's not arrested you hear how I'm getting mm-hmm. all wild over this. So, but that is definitely something I'm passionate about. I look back on right. these stories. And I check back to see, well, did somebody finally get arrested? So I think those are the ones that really grab me the missing, uh, ca- the cases of missing women, the cases of women who have uh, been murdered and no arrest has been made. Those are the ones that really stay with me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think about that. And I, I don't know, maybe it's because when. Uh, Became a mother, those things hit me differently, I think, because it's that someone's child, you know. It doesn't matter if she was 35 or she was 17, right? She was someone's child, Um, right? And I just can't even imagine this is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking And you see the family, those family, yeah, the family interviews are also very heart wrenching as well to see them speak Mm -hmm. on what happened to their loved one. It's it's painful, so yeah. And, and I think, too, it's, it's fascinating in a way of, um, you know, if you're just kind of sitting there trying to solve the puzzle, like you're saying, um, to figure out what happened. But also, it's just, really, it's, I, it's just humanistic to want to see the whole human side of it, you know, the whole heartbreak. So. Absolutely. But, yeah, Absolutely. it's definitely that range of emotions for sure. So um, what is uh, any historical events? That, I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff that's covered on True Crimes for Contemporary, but any historical events that you uh, follow or wonder about with new technologies coming about, maybe those things being solved? You know, that's interesting. You see so many cases where DNA had not, uh, or the forensic science studies had not evolved. So, so many cases Mm -hmm. that occurred in the 70s and the 80s, the way that they can reopen those cases and use the more modern technology to make arrest after 25, 30 years—that is amazing to me. And you know, you right. see so many of those cases. These men are old; they're in wheelchairs, but they go to jail. They go to jail for life yeah. because they did something so many yeah. years ago. And we can finally make an arrest. You know. Right. And put peace with the family for sure. Um, right. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's um, it's amazing. I know that there was a case. Was it was it this year or probably because it's 2020? But um, it was uh. Um, mm-hmm. right. Somebody had done a DNA study, like 23andMe or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, they were like, oh, what's this person in your DNA line? And it was someone who had, um, gotten in a lot of, I mean, had done a lot of horrible stuff. Uh, and I'm trying to remember which one it was, but yeah, it was something like that. And, uh, it just, yeah, it really triggered off a lot of people. And yeah, he went to jail. So it's wow. a, it's a weird, yeah, it's an interesting process for sure um so what were your go-to reads growing up so i of course had my book as a child uh beverly Cleary, judy blow but i would also sneak my mother's book so i was as a child reading jackie collins and Sydney sheldon and danielle still behind my mother's back she didn't know that i was uh-huh. doing thing. But i certainly was but i loved uh and i think that's how i fell in love with romance novels because i started reading them at such a young age so those right. authors again I, I did the you know the Blubber and the are you there dot me Margaret I did those books, but I also read you know the adult stuff too and and loved sure. yeah it it's uh it's interesting when you you know back when i mean i'm fifty three but um I know that there the y a market young adult market really didn't exist much I mean it was right um yeah, you went from like you're saying, Judy Bloom, straight into sneaking Jackie Collins books and <laughs> The Thorn the thorn Birds and things like that. Yes. Um, yes. And then, and of course, those were all becoming movies of the week in the 80s. So, um, you know, you right. watched, I think it was Hollywood Wives and um, what was it? Yeah, The Thorn Birds and there was Lace. There was another one that was called Lace. Right. And, um, yes. yeah. It that was like, you know, this is big jump. And of course, now I, I tell my. The kids about it, and they're like, "What do you mean?" Because you know, there's a whole section that's Barnes and Noble for young adults. Um, but yeah, it was it, it, it's interesting to hear. I have so many people I interview that are between the ages of like you know, 30 to 50 ish, and they will say, "Oh yeah, I had to speak those books. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, the YA market now is huge, and what's so interesting is you have so many adults who still read those books, the YA books, because they're mm-hmm. so enjoyable. We we just we really didn't have that. Right, and even the middle grade books, there's some really amazing middle grade stuff going on. Because the lessons are so relevant still, it's, and there are lessons that many adults, I, you know, not not to be judgmental, but many adults haven't really grasped, you know, the common sense, the kindness. Right. That's reiterated in those books, and I think, you know, some people, it serves them well to revisit it because there, there are so many lessons that still affect, you know, adults. I love that aspect of it. Right. Well, and there's a lot of adults, um, that just flat out never really fell in love with writing. And I talked to so many, you know, of course, on the show and through writing groups, that everybody was, oh, yeah, we went to the library every week. I had my bag, my bag. I'd fill it up, you know, go home and read them all, bring, bring them back. And then I meet people that are like, no, we never did that. Never went to the library. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know well, if it was not that helpful. helpful Or what? Yeah. hmm mm-hmm. We were in the book club, you know, my mom my mom <laughs> was a very avid reader. Both my parents actually. You remember the book clubs? <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> I love the reading list and all that. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I couldn't wait to get the catalog to look at all the books that I could, you know, could access and order. So but I think growing oh, yeah. up in homes where the parents are avid readers, one thing my father did not like fiction and he always came down on my mom and me for reading our fiction. He thought and you know what uh-huh. he doesn't realise, there are so many facts in fiction. You know? Yeah. So there's a lot yeah. to be learned in fiction novels, but he, you know, my father's very, you know, he's all about historical books and autobiographies. And so, and look at me now. I'm like, now you're really trying of me. Because now I'm writing fiction. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I know my grandmother was, she was a huge, uh, she loved to read autobiographies, biographies, historical, mm. um, you know, factual type stuff, like you're saying. And I remember um, she, she lived in this little town um, in Texas called um cameron texas and she had to live with her grandmother her last few years of high school and her great her grandmother was ran a boarding house you know And this was in the 20s 30s and mm-hmm. uh, she she said and she would send me down to the corner store to buy those true romance novels it's so <laughs> embarrassing you know and she's telling Aww. me this and i'm laughing but my apparently my great-grandmother was every afternoon she'd you know, close the kitchen, everybody go back to work or whatever, and then um she'd sit on her chaise lounge with her snuff and read a romance novel. she just like loved it. I love um it. I loved it. That. my my grandmother was horrified. It was oh it was awful. You know and i was just, <laughs> just laughing about it. It was like, Yeah, well maybe a little fiction would have, you know, <laughs> been a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. It such a nice escape and and you know, I think readers outside of romance world they take it for granted. They don't understand the high level of intelligence within the book, within the author yeah. to write them. It's not easy writing. It's not always easy reading. No. And, you know, I think the romance industry has gotten a bad rap at, at some points over time and, you know, it, it's sad, but, you know, for those who love it's a billion dollar industry, billion plus. So, obviously, there's something to it, right? Absolutely. Well, and I think it's, it's about hope, you know? It's about fighting and people are like oh well i've I've had this discussion before with people they're like why would you read romance you know how it's going to end i'm like oh yeah well when you go see iron man you know he's going to win so why do you go (laughs) it's like exactly you know when you watch aquaman you know jason Lemo is going to be amazing so why do you go you know it's like because you want to see it (laughs) right and you know what there's so many different ways to get to that ending. You know, you may assume, oh you know the ending is going to be happy. Okay, but how do they get to that happy ending? That's there's right. so much is in always the narrative. You know, so many yeah, so many stories we didn't it was in the big story. And uh you mm-hmm. never know how tragic, dramatic, you don't know what level it'll be on. So, you know, you just have to be open, I think. So many stories told within the vast genre of romance. So, right. And it's and it's that one I you know call it the mothership, you know, you have the romance umbrella um but then you have all of these little umbrellas underneath. So you have sci fi and fantasy and you know, mystery and thriller and I mean it's like everything else. And um it's amazing to me to go back and watch movies, um, and say, Oh, wait a minute, this is a romance. But it's not listed as one when it's, you know, marketed. But um, right. have you have you seen the movie Red? I think I uh, did. Bruce did Bruce this come out a few years ago? Yeah. I Bruce think Willis, I did. Morgan Friedman. Yeah. Helen Mirren. Yeah. I was watching. and mm-hmm. I love that movie. And I'm watching. I'm like, wait a minute. This is a romance. Don't you because love that when the romance they sneak it in? And you don't expect it. Well, but that's the whole purpose of him doing what he's doing. hmm Because he's trying to protect her. Because he's totally fallen in love with this girl. And, but mm. it's, you know, all this stuff's getting blown up and, you know, fist fights and everything else. But, I mean, right. I, and it's great and it's fun. But I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. If you took that mm-hmm. aspect out, really? The the purpose, yeah, you know, I mean, like he's on a hit list and it's like, okay. And he's kind of like, whatever, because you could see at the beginning. He's just kind of, mm, okay, life's boring. So would he really fight this hard? But, oh, she gets involved. And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of things like that that she's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a romance. So um, it's it's fun to see those things. I'm like, ooh, that was smart. <laughs> I love that. And if you think about what drives so many stories, even in talking about true crime, so much is it's driven by love. So many people's yeah. actions, it's motivated by love. That's the basis of why so many things happen. So while right, people right. fall in love with the Godfather and so forth, they forget a lot of those underlying stories are based on relationships between two people that oh, yeah. go awry or whatever the case may be. We take that we do take right. that for granted. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's I think that the idea that love is is well, what's the big deal? It's like it's a huge deal. It's everything. It's truly everything. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, we've we've talked to our kids about. Um, like the Greeks, I think, have like four or five, six different words for love. And so you have, um you know, all these different, you know, fraternal love, like your siblings and your parents, and then and there's, you know, eros, which is romantic love. And it would be nice if in English we had those, you know, variety of words, because I think people would understand it better if it wasn't mm-hmm. just the one. But then you know, American, a lot of times our attention spans are rather short, so maybe just one word is probably the best thing. Um, that's for very true. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, you know, so I have to sneak in really quickly. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I just want to say really I'm also, oh good, okay, I just wanted to tell you, I'm also writing for Harlequin Entry, so <gasps> oh, that's fun tell for me, me. Tell me. Yes, yes, so I get to combine my love of romance with my love of true crime. So the first book with entry comes out, I know, in June. It's called Cold Case True Crime, and it's about a blogger, my my heroine is a blogger, who uh, writes writes for a popular true crime blog, and she has a friend who ends up being murdered, and the case goes cold um, because the police department kind of gives up on it. They think this guy overdosed, and they don't really want to put the effort into finding out what really happened to him. So she sure, things up sure. with the detective and they, they start studying this case to figure out exactly how this man died. So I've actually got four books in the works with intrigue right now. So that's pretty exciting. I guess so. So, you know, walk us through because everybody's got, you've, you've done ghostwriting, you've done some other stuff, but when you mm-hmm. pitched this idea to Chile, when you pitched your series to Harlequin, what was your process? I mean, what was the hardest part of it? And then what was the part that went really smoothly okay so i'm going to age myself here but i have been <laughs> writing for many many years and i came in i came in that way with the agent you know remember back in those <laughs> days you had to have an agent so my first oh, book yeah. was published by simon and schuster i wish i never met you and you know they won't look at anything if it's not submitted by an agent mm-hmm. so things have really changed now as you know so with Tully, i actually submitted through their website blindly. And Jane, who runs the company, she's so wonderful, and she she'd heard of me. She was familiar with my name, and she was excited about the project that I submitted. So that was not a difficult process for me. I think I just you know connected with uh, with Thule as a publisher, and we were just a great fit. Because as you know, yeah, you know, every publisher won't be a great fit for every author. Um, That's right. So and then with with Harlequin, I've been trying to get in there for a long time. You know, Harlequin it's not easy. Mm-hmm to, now it's to time. get in there yeah so I am uh, friends with an author who connected me with an editor there who I would actually been familiar with over the years and I submitted some things to her and um, so we worked together to get uh, you know the appropriate project which ends up being Cold Case True Crime is my first project and we've been working together ever since so I think it's right place right time knowing the right people having the right project I think that's the way to really get in but you just never know how it'll happen for you. Right. But and I also have friends who and persistent, absolutely. I have an author friend who's been submitting through Harlequin's website and she's making a lot of traction. So, you know, all mm-hmm. things are possible but you have to put forth the effort, you have to, you know, put in the work and like you said, stay consistent and you can't get uh, knocked down by the rejections. You're going to get rejected. Every Everybody oh, in the industry sure. has been rejected at some point. Yeah, so I found, and I'm really aging myself, you know I found a rejection letter in my closet from 1999? Oh, yeah? From an agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said, wow, I've come a long way. I'm only 30, I so know. how did that happen? I'm... <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> so, you're Like, so, you were totally well, gifted at <laughs> 10. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a long journey, but, you know, I've stuck with it. And that's, that's the best advice. You have to stay the course. and Because you never know. Right. You might hit tomorrow, or, you know, you might not. But you just have to stay the course. So. Well, and, and I think too to keep writing because there's those stories are asking to be told, um, yes. and you just you have to tell them. And and also I think too that um, I've you know I'm sure you've been with critique groups and everything. And there's there's people in it that don't want to change anything. It's like well you are not getting my voice. It's like well maybe not. And it's maybe the way that you're presenting your voice. It's like no I think it's fine. Right. It's like no you. You know if you're getting the same feedback over and over, you need to look at it um granted, there's gonna be people that are just not gonna like what you write. that's just you know, right the deal but yeah mm-hmm. um it's you can't if you keep getting the same response over and over, it's definitely something you need to to see and I think that's I think that ego thing really gets in the way of whether it's writing or acting or music or even just you know job hunting um I think that ego can really uh, impede your progress for sure. You know it really can. And I've always told myself you cannot get married to anything that you write because if you're well, if you're self-publishing, that's that's a different ballgame. You do have more freedom, but if you're writing for a larger publisher, they know their readers, they know the audience. So if they make suggestions, mm-hmm. as you know, you've worked with editors, it's it's not easy. It is not easy, no. And you will have to make changes, and you really have to put the ego aside and and get it done because um you it, otherwise you just you won't make it. You know if you're not open That's to right. making those changes, bettering yourself, it it won't happen for you. So. So when you got your first round of edits from your editor on the say the first or second uh, project you did, was the thing of the corrections or the suggestions? pretty hard and then how did you um you know change to okay let's just get this done because i mean it's just it's just that process all right i'm gonna drink some wine i'm just gonna get through this i'm gonna just plow through them it's not personal i have to right i have to tell you what is so amazing this has not definitely not happened with every book but with the very first book i wish i never met you with simon and schuster my editor had no changes, not the line editor, though. Oh. This was the overall, you know. Edit. She had no oh, okay. changes, and I was just shocked. But, of course, by the time we get to the copy editor, you know, I had those types of changes. So that, and, and maybe that spoiled me because later on, you know, I've worked with editors, and it, it, it does sting a little bit sometimes when, because yeah. uh, I've had some really big rewrites. You know, sometimes I've had editors say, you know, am I supposed to like this character here? She's not very likable here. You know, things like right. that. And, you know, so so there's some moments where you really have to rethink. I think sometimes maybe my characters come across a little bit harsh. And in the world of romance, you, you kind of have to be careful sometimes with that. So I have right. to tone things down. And, and you do kind of feel the ego coming up in the throat. And you have to swallow it and say, you know what, just, you know, give it another look. Because then you think about the readers. I know editors are always thinking about the reader. They're not thinking about the author's ego. So right. I have to keep right. that in mind because I don't. Yeah, you don't want the readers to be turned off. You know, readers will put a book down in a heartbeat. They have so much to choose from, so why why do they have to stick it out with your book? So in that's the right. end, if it'll make for a better book, I always say change it because it's worth it. You want people to feel as though they made a good purchase. You want them to believe in you as a writer. So if that's what it takes, you know, you, you, you get it done. Well, and I think you bring up a good point because when you're switching things over and you're doing it for the reader – the beauty of social media, in a way, is you can go back and write an article about on your, you know, website or whatever and say, you know, I thought about going in this direction. I did these changes. And, um, you know, it, it's, it stirs up conversation with the people who read your stuff because it's like, Absolutely. oh, you were going to do that? Yeah, I'm so glad you changed that. Or it's, it's kind <laughs> of a little bit of, yeah. you know, or, oh, wow, that would have been a totally different story, you know. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's it's really interesting. So we have so many avenues now. I think sometimes it's just figuring out which one to to take. Um I agree. And that's I think yeah, that's that's the juggle for sure. So you've written mm-hmm. romance. What is your I mean, is there something you haven't written about yet or in a genre you haven't written yet that you want to? You know, I've always wanted to write uh Young adult fiction. That's something I've mm-hmm. always wanted to do. I love children. I feel very connected to, you know, the, I, I sit and watch Disney. I have not missed an episode of uh That's So Raven and Raven's Home. And I'm watching it by myself <laughs> just because I'm a big Raven <laughs> Simone fan. Oh, it's I love no her. Sense. I just love it. I, I love her. So I'm, I'm watching Disney Channel. And, and there's something so pure and wholesome about the young adult world. And again, I know, you know, you have to explore some of the other, you know, challenges that the. That young adults have when writing those books but i think the um just the memories of childhood in in writing those stories i think i would really enjoy that and i've also always wanted to connect with a family or friend who for a real true crime story to write the story of a family or friend group or something that lost someone to murder or something like that um I always see the true crime writers, and I'm really jealous because they they develop these relationships with these people, and they get to tell the story, and then we see them on dateline talking about the book that they wrote. I've always wanted to do that as well. And give them a voice, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't know if, you watch, uh, if you've watch, ever watched Drunk History. Um, um, Raven Simone did an episode on there, and it's basically these guys, this one guy interviews friends and they tell these stories and they're drunk the whole time so it's really kind of ad lib and then when they have the actors doing the exact wording of the people talking so of course you know they record the drunk people first and then the actors have to record you know but it's voiceover um and it's crazy and she did an episode of michelle nichols um from star trek and uh, it's one of my favorites because it's just the way she presents it. And they talk about the first interracial kiss on, um, you know, network TV. And then they talk about how she met Martin Luther King, cause she was going to quit. And um, oh, wow. the show and Martin Luther King's like, it was at an NAACP um, dinner. And he's like, you're, you know, please don't because you're the role model for my children. I mean, you're a woman of color on TV. Who's, an equal person in the sense of rank and you know being in charge and everything so she stayed and then um and then apparently nasa was like so can you find you know other people to come be in space i mean she, she barely she's recruited for nasa which i had no oh idea goodness, I love that. she had done yeah i love so, that yeah so yeah it's, it's so good it's so good I've, I've watched it multiple times shown my kids um it's like see you know one person makes a difference it makes a huge difference yeah. in the world so you know and, and emotionally you go person. through so much but yeah you don't know the effect that you have you carry the burden and the pain of your experience but then you don't know how mm-hmm. you're inspiring the masses you know so then right. that makes it worth it to know that you're, right. a, you're making a difference so yeah i love that i have not seen the show i've seen advertisements for the show I haven't seen it, but i have to watch that it sounds really good yeah I think it's on uh, YouTube. So if you just do Drunk History and then just do Nichelle Nichols, I believe it, it'll come up. Okay. Um, if you okay. have Hulu, if you have Hulu, I think all the episodes of Drunk History are on there, I believe. Okay, perfect. Um, perfect. I do have Hulu. So that's a good one. Yeah. So it's it's just, um and then sadly, you know, of course 2020 being 2020, I think they ended the series, but I think it's been on for six years. Um, okay. But it's very clever on how they've done a lot of it um and all these different, characters and it's just it's just the way they've set it up it's just brilliant um so all sorts of stuff and they do not hold back they they do not they do not which is great um mm-hmm. because you know history is history so let's just you know be honest with it um but right. yeah it, it's it's yeah <laughs> it's a good one so tell me what you're reading these days so i just i have a book whack by Jules Asner, this book all the time. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a romantic mm-hmm. suspense novel. uh Do you remember Jules Asner? She was on the E Channel. I do. And she married yes. steven Soderbergh. I love her. And she wrote Wax. I was so excited. Weinstein Books published it, and then they were supposed to make it into a movie, and then we know what happened with that situation, so I don't think that will ever happen. Right. But right. I just love this book. It's about a television writer who lives in LA, and she writes for a crime television show. And she ends up getting caught up in her re- in a real life true crime situation, and there's also a romantic aspect to it as well, which is really good. But the book has so many twists and turns, and it, it really is a big inspiration to me and a motivator. So I always go back to that book for whatever reasons. Like I've read it, and I don't know if you reread books, but I always oh, go yeah. back and reread books because I just love to do that. But I've got a couple that I'm, I'm that are on my list. Once I can get some deadlines knocked out. One is uh, Melissa McClone's Sweet Yule Tide. Mm -hmm. The holiday spirit is still in me. So that one is really cute. It's about two strangers who end up staying at the same beach house in South Carolina. And it's an accident. And, of course, they're both angry about it. The holidays, they're alone. But they end up connecting, you know, through this beach house. And, you know, the love story starts to develop. And then another, Alyssa Cole, has a book out called uh, When No One Is Watching. So that book is about... Yeah, Gentrification in Brooklyn, and they're comparing it to the movie Get Out in Rear Window. It's gotten rave reviews. I'm really looking forward to reading that one as well. Yeah, it's intense, and she does, she does beautiful imagery um, in her story, uh-huh. so I just, yeah, it's uh, definitely, um uh, keep the lights on while you're <laughs> reading that one, because it's, uh, it'll it'll keep you thinking <laughs> possibly where, you know, books of, or, of all sorts of things. You know, that it's interesting books affect you in a way it's differently than movies. When you read something and if it's scary mm-hmm. I feel like it just penetrates differently than watching yeah. Those words peeping into your brain. I've read things that I, I couldn't shake shake them for years, you know, after I've read mm-hmm. certain things. But seeing it mm-hmm. it's not it's not as effective as things. Does that happen to you as well? Yeah, it sticks pretty hard. Just, I one of the reasons I've read maybe seek like, two Stephen King books. I just mm-hmm. um I can't uh-uh. I read Misery and I read the
1: uh-huh. most
0: of the stand I think. I was just like I can't I can't get through it's just no he it, it it's in a way I mean misery was intense. Um and uh-huh. even the parts that are, are supposed to be comedic in a in a weird way uh-huh. really intense. Uh-huh. You're just not sure. You're just not sure if anything what's gonna happen. Um and right. so I felt like really uneasy versus um, you know, a movie I could I could turn off for a while. I could walk away. And you can with a book, but man, a book just really sticks with you. Uh, hard. It does. So, yeah. It yeah. does. I tried to read The Shining I've, as a child. And and mm, I didn't get past yeah. chapter one. Yeah, that no, one. I, I can no, barely watch the movie, though. So the movie is terrifying. But the book couldn't do it. It was too much. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a testament to his writing as well because it's um, absolutely intense and, and layered and, and mm-hmm. uh, creepy. And Uh, I was actually in Maine (laughs) years ago with uh, my friend, and we were driving back from Lewiston to Rockland. It was like a two-hour drive, and we hit one stoplight in two hours. And it was rainy and dark, and they don't Mm. use reflective paint on the the, um, on the roads, and then Mm -hmm. um, there's no streetlights. So, and it was dark. It was pitch, and we wow. we were just, was driving, and my friend's like, yeah, you might want to slow down around here because um, sometimes the moose come out on the road. I'm like, <laughs> oh, am like, oh, yes. As if that wasn't enough what you were dealing with. Now you have to deal with the moose as well. That is terrifying. Right. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, no wonder Stephen King came up with this, all this weird, <laughs> creepy stuff because it is eerie. Driving down this road. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was just waiting for a clown to come imagining. out. Oh, my goodness. I'm just imagining <laughs> that in my mind. It's terrifying. It is. I was like, we're gonna die. We're gonna die on this road. I don't <laughs> know. It's <is> gonna happen. You <laughs> know, yeah, no, not happy about it. Um. So yeah, no. it's books. I think really pierced your brain a different way than um. Yeah, movies. Um. And there's some amazing movies. Uh, I just right. think it's well. I mean, it's obviously a different part of your brain, but um, it's mm-hmm. truly it does. I think it just kind of seeps. A really good book really seeps into, uh, Areas of your brain you weren't expecting so absolutely um, that's kind of the beauty of it so and and then he wrote this beautiful lovely escape escapism um with the icicle cafe so i just i'm so thrilled <laughs> so thrilled for your success this is fabulous oh, thank you. i just thank but yeah no, the the cover itself is just absolutely breathtaking and um i just i just love it well thank you so much i appreciate that Absolutely. So you've got your next set of books coming out, or your first of four books coming out with Harlequin Intrigue in June. Right. And then do you know what your release schedule is for those? Uh, June for the first one, and then I have a book called Captured at Christmas that comes out uh, in December. That'll be Harlequin Intrigue as well. And then I've got several books coming out with, uh, with Thule. My next Christmas book, I just wrapped that one up. It's called Christmas in Full Bloom. And I'll okay. be revealing that cover on my Instagram tomorrow for New Year's Day. It is, I, I can brag, I can brag, either, but it design it. Lee Hyatt designed it. It is gorgeous, Patricia. And she did such an amazing job on this cover. So um, I'm so excited about it. And then I've got a series called A Fearless Fairy Tale, which is a contemporary women's fiction uh, series that'll be out with Thule starting in March, so March and then September of next year for the second book, and uh, the third book will be out in early 2022, so I'm looking forward to that one as well, it's like a coming-of-age tale, but for a grown woman who's looking to make some changes in her life after she gets her heart broken by her longtime crush. Oh, wow. Well, you're just a busy, Mm -hmm. busy, extremely organized lady, so I am (laughs) so jealous. (laughs) oh no don't be jealous i just been behind the computer but in a good way well, you know in this pandemic yeah yeah the pandemic is really you know uh we i remember we were doing a harlequin entry event earlier this year and they were saying you know you know book sales are really up so they were like keep writing keep writing and that's, keep writing, that's right i mean because we're all in the house yeah so you know we have right. to give the readers something to read keep everybody entertained so that's right yeah and so I really appreciate you being here today. For anybody who wants to find Denise, you can find her on her Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, BookBub, book, Goodreads, Writer's Blog, and her link for Love at the Icicle Cafe is out now. And everything is in the write-up of the show. Thank you so much, Denise. Please come back. And talk this to- show I brought to you by Circle up. of Seven Productions. www.cosproductions.com. Please night. be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.